Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm David Kobe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC may be off this week, but that doesn't mean we are. In fact, we're still hitting you with plenty of that great content that you know and love. We are, of course, giving you two interviews this week. One with Don Shanis, who's taking a short-notice fight against Sadiq Youssef on October 1st. We talked to him about all that went into finally getting that shot at the big show. Plus, later on in the show, I'll be talking to Hannah Guy, who gets really honest about some mental health struggles surrounding the sport of MMA and being in front of TV cameras on The Ultimate Fighter. Plus, she gets to talking about her fight at Invicta 49 against Caitlin Neal. And we'll get to all that great content, plus a combat countdown for you, right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Don Shannis, who fights Sadiq Youssef at UFC Vegas 61. That fight is on October 1st. So, Don, I wanted to start by talking about your fight on Dana White's Looking for a Fight. You obviously beat this high-profile opponent. Then you don't get the contract. What were your emotions like coming out of that fight? Uh, I was I was actually so disappointed in my performance that night. I, I was, like, pissed I didn't get the finish. I, I think there was a few opportunities where... I could have finished it, and, uh, like, it, it didn't even hit me that I won. Like, Dana White being there wasn't even a factor. It, it was just more like, fuck, I feel like I could have done better, and with more time, I, I think I could have. You know, I took that fight on five days' notice up the weight class, and so did Lencioni. So I think we're both true 45ers that, uh, that you know, we're trying to make the most of an opportunity, and uh, I feel like I underperformed. And uh, normally, I, I, you know, I, I like to get in there and get out, we went the distance, but it is what it is. So, um, overall, I'm pretty happy with how everything went, considering I got a win. But uh, in that moment, I was pissed. That, that's interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, the, the opportunity not seeming to be the number one thing, but the performance. I, I'm wondering then, too, was the performance, do you feel like, affected by just the short notice? Or also, you know, it was kind of a long travel for you, too. I know you're normally fighting in the Northeast all the time. Was the travel a piece of it as well? Uh, believe it or not, I train most of the time in, in Kansas City, Missouri. So I moved my camp over to Kansas City, and um, that's that's where I do my training. I train at Gloria and James Krause and uh, this opportunity at Rose. And, and me and Lencioni actually faced each other in the gym in, in rounds, and uh, I knew how good he was. And uh, it was just one of these things where it's like we were kind of buddies going into the fight because we've trained together and it wasn't personal but uh i don't think that he didn't like the fact that i don't touch gloves and uh he took that personal and i i don't think he liked the fact that i won either so it is what it is absolutely can can i ask just why you don't touch gloves is it one of those you know protect yourself at all time things <laughs> it's uh it's kind of like a fuck you me first like we're, <laughs> we're not friends in there you know like we're we're not and like I don't care if you're my best friend. It, like 
trying to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's that simple. Yeah, I I love it. So let's talk a little bit about what happened right after that fight, because, you know, like you said, you're not too happy with the performance. You got right back to work, right? Like we saw you fight three times in four months after that three big wins, including a couple of finishes. Was that something that, that you had to do for yourself after that performance? Or was that something where, you know, maybe you heard the UFC was interested, but not that interested. And you went out there and just tried to put on as much work as you could. Well, what a lot of people don't know was I've had so many fights fall out. So before the pandemic, I, I was lined up to fight uh, for case turns for their title. I, I never got that opportunity. The pandemic shut that down. I lost a ton of money. Uh, I had a, I had a ton of money that, uh, that was tied into that promotion with tickets and people were like, Oh, hold it, hold it. And I'm like, now I'm responsible, and uh, it just didn't happen. And then my opponent pulled out, so I ended up taking this short notice. And then I wanted to fight that kid anyway. You know what? I didn't get signed. Let's stay active. Then I wanted to fight that kid, and then he pulled out like a week or two out. So then I got stuck fighting someone else. And then I come back from Massachusetts, back to Kansas City, and they're like, hey, Evan Elder might get called up to the UFC. If he does, will you take the fight uh, against Cody Fister? Fuck yeah. And then, um, then it's like a month later is the next case Titans. I never got that belt time to take that shit too. I've just been trying to stay so busy and in my weight's been good and, and I've been able to make weight. So I just kept saying, fuck it. No injuries. Let's keep the ball rolling. And, and this fight with Sadiq Youssef will be six fights in less than 12 months. I, I mean, like, like you said, it was one of those, like, you know, fuck it. I'll just keep doing it. But like, is that ideal for you? Do you do you feel like your body's held up well through that that much work? I mean, I, I'm pretty healthy right now. You know, I, I got no real injuries. Obviously, there's wear and tear from training, but uh, like I'm healthy. You know, in 2018, I broke my neck. I couldn't compete for a year. I wanted to stay super active. I had uh, four fights, and my fifth fight got canceled due to COVID in that year long that I. So it took me a year to come back. Then I had four fights scheduled for my fifth. COVID shuts it down for another year and a half. I lost two and a half years of my career. I'm just trying to get my fights in and get to the highest level, which, no shit, I'm, I'm fighting in the UFC in two weeks, which is fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about that in a second, but I did want to talk about your point about how, how much of your career you've lost and also how long it's been. Like, you know, you go back to looking at your 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 amateur debut, and we're talking over a decade ago, right? Like you've been in this sport for quite a long time. What what does it mean to finally be like raising to that level that you know you you kind of felt like you knew you were at the whole time? I, I've been talking a lot of shit and uh, and saying I'm there and and believing it, and you know I, I've invested everything in in this. This fucking everything I've worked for. So time to make the most of an opportunity, not the most ideal opportunity, but you know, I'm taking what's thrown at me and, and fuck it, you know, like straight up, fuck it. I, I love that mentality, but like, so you're right. Not the best, most ideal situation, right? Because the most ideal Short situation notice, involves high class opponent. Yeah. Dude, keep stacking the chips again. So, you know, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be me. And if I'm me, I'm super confident in myself. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask about that second part of it because you're right. It's not a great opportunity when you talk about the fact that it is short notice, but it's a chance to be – I believe he's the number 12 guy in the UFC right now. It's a chance to be in the rankings one fight in. What is it like when, when that was the name that slid across the desk to you from your manager? 
you know, my, my, my teammate, I, I didn't even know he was ranked number 12. Um, my teammate said something that stuck out and number 12 doesn't mean shit unless your name's Tom Brady. And, uh, <laughs> he's so fucking right. You know what I mean? Like I'm a new England guy. Tom Brady's the greatest ever. No, it's just a number who fucking cares. You know, at the end of the day, it's just another fight. And, you know, I believe I belong in the top 15, if not, you know, in the UFC, let alone. So, so fuck it. Fucking throw throw me to the walls. Well, let's see what happens. Fuck it. I love it. Now, I know also that Sadiq Youssef was supposed to be fighting, you know, at the time we're talking right now, this weekend, right? He was supposed to be fighting Saturday on the, the October, uh, September 17th, rather. He, he flew out to Vegas. He was preparing to fight some sort of late replacement. The idea to move it to October 1st, was that somewhat because you signed on late, needed the time to get your weight down? Was that, you know, maybe Yusuf was, yes. yeah, wanted time to prepare for you? Wh- yes. What was that for? You? Uh, I couldn't make weight this Friday. Yeah. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Um. So so let's talk a little bit about the the stylistic style of this fight because Sadiq Yusuf is a guy you know notoriously hard to get down. You know he's a, a sharp striker. Like we said, it, he he's a guy who who's paid his dues and gotten himself to the highest part of the sport. How do you feel like you stack up against a, a dude with that kind of style? I, I think I'm awkward. I think I'm super awkward and, uh, and I, I'm, I might not be the better striker. You know, I feel like I'm going to be the better grappler, but, but you know what? I am so awkward and, and I feel like my mental toughness is going to show, but I feel like my awkwardness throws so many people off. You know, I'm not the tallest person. I'm a very good grappler. I'm, I'm a pretty decent striker. And, uh, I, I feel like, What's going to win me this fight? It's my intangibles. I love that. Now, I'm I'm curious, too, because I've talked to a couple of guys out of the James Krause camp who have referred to themselves as awkward, too. Tim Elliott being the chief one. Is that something that that Krause kind of embraces when you have that awkward style? You're you're weird because I know so many different coaches, you know, sort of trying to, to file people into their system. Does he just embrace it and help you be the best awkward ass version of yourself you could be? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it's been mind-blowing since I've been out here training, you know, the amount of talent I've been able to train with and, and getting rounds in with a ton of UFC guys. Back home, you don't get that. You get a few, but but it, it's far and few between, you know. Out here, there's days I don't get rounds off with it. You know, we'll do five fives at the end of practice, and it's, everyone I'm having it is either in the UFC, has fought in the UFC, or is going to the UFC, like, like, Shit's for real out here, and, and there's so many styles, and being the best version of you is just all you can ask for, really. I love it. Now, I, I usually like to get a prediction out of my fighters before uh, I let them go. Can you give us a prediction? How do you see this one ending with Sadiq Yusuf on October 1st? Ah, bro, people ask me this all the time. Now. <laughs> I'm no psychic. I'm no psychic. I just know I'm going to go out there and grind and uh, put everything I have on the line. And uh, as long as I'm willing to die out there, which I believe I am, I, I, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. As long as I get my hand raised, I don't fucking care. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this has been Don Shannon's who fights Sadiq Yusuf at UFC Vegas 61. That fight on October 1st. Don, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Don Shanis. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. 
We had some gruesome injuries in the UFC this past weekend. Not only did we get a main event that end by cut stoppage on Song Yudong, but we also got maybe one of the most gruesome cuts of all time with Gregory Robocop Rodriguez. Were those up there as two of the most disgusting injuries to ever be in a single event together? Yeah, what did I look at in Robocop's eye? Like, what was that his bone? Was what? It's a vein, dude. It's that, a vein. That's a vein. Wow. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, I know he was okay, but wasn't it um was it Michael Venom Page who needs Cyborg and like concave yeah, his yeah, forehead? Yeah. That's always been up there for me. And then obviously anything like Corey Sanhagen, the kick, check kick related. Same thing goes for Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva. But um, yeah, I mean, the eye cut and now to find out I was looking at a vein, it's up there. Yeah, and, and I agree with you and Michael Venom Page. I think the thing that was the most gross about that one, too, was that like, even though his skin never broke in any place, you could clearly tell there was a dent in his skull and you were just waiting for the x-ray to come out, um, which was really gross. Uh, I, I personally uh, think that the uh, the broken limbs always kind of come out on top of cuts. Not that cr- cuts aren't gross, and obviously Robocop's vein being uh, gross is, is tops for me. But uh, I will also just say, yeah, anything where the shin bone breaks... Uh, which we've seen a couple of times now. That that to me will always be king. But yeah, gruesome event, dude. <laughs> gruesome, gruesome. Hey, it ain't volleyball. So you want to be a fighter, as Uncle Goldie used to say. But I'll tell you what, let's talk about something a little more pleasant. And it's our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show. It's Combat Countdown. We have no fights to break down this week. So we're breaking it back out of mothballs. We're going to be doing a Combat Countdown for the top five contender series fighters from this season and there have been a few so if you're an mma nerd and you want to debate this with us we'd love to hear your feedback at top turtle mma or if you're just a cash that's okay we welcome all mma fans here get to know this very good crop of uh contender series fighters from this season we'll break it down right now but before we get into it gumby does anyone sponsor this edition of combat countdown Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right. Well, let's start with number five, as we are known to do. And it's going to be a fighter out of the UK. It's Ferocious Fareed Basharat. Look at it. Yeah, I I love Basharat, even though he didn't get the finish. I I think he's one of the five most promising prospects to come out of this year's Contender Series. Obviously, we just saw his brother look phenomenal this past Saturday. And uh, he's joining the ranks. He's got a lot of the same skills as his brother, but I will say... The thing that kept me from putting him at the tippity top of this list is he does seem to get hit a lot when he is on the feet, which which could cause him some problems later. But fighting a guy like Alan Bogoso, who is a, a great prospect in his own right, and just absolutely dominating him when it went to the mat every single time. I mean, how can you not like uh, another Basharat brother in the UFC? All right. Well, uh, this number four uh, has looked impressive and he's got an impressive nickname, or at least I like it. It's Joe Pfeiffer, and his nickname is Body Bags with a Z. He's fighting out of Pennsylvania. Let's hear about him. 
Yeah, I'm always in on the Daniel Gracie guys, as you know. You know, I love me some Sean Brady, even though he didn't win this past weekend. Pat Zabatini, Jeremiah Wells. Joe Piper is just another one of those. And speaking of last weekend, the dude not only has won on the Contender Series this year, he's already got his first UFC win under his belt. Now, obviously, he fought kind of a can in Alan Amandowski. They They definitely gave him a layup because they liked him so much on the Contender Series. But to see him go out there and absolutely starch an LFA champ like he did... Man, the guy has got huge potential because he's got big power and he's got that wrestling low key that the uh, the Daniel Gracie guys all got. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for him. And I'm definitely excited to see him get that step up in competition. Well, number three, because the UFC needs more Eastern European fighters who look promising. We have Matthews Rebecca. He's fighting out of Poland, of course, but uh, looks impressive so far. Let's hear about him. Yeah, so he fought Rodrigo Lidio, and Rodrigo Lidio, hell of a striker. Actually gave him a little bit of trouble on the feet, but this dude has got unbelievable wrestling and unbelievable jiu-jitsu. I mean, he got that rear naked choke with none of his hooks in. It wound up looking kind of like a bulldog choke almost the way he finished it. I mean, he did that, and he's gotten TKO finishes tons through his grappling. I actually watched a grappling match between him and Matthews uh, Gamrot which was insane to watch. He's a guy who was able to like go toe-to-toe with one of the best grapplers in the world at 155 right now in Gamrot. So I think the sky's kind of the limit for him in that realm, especially if he polishes up his striking a little bit. Um, and like you said, the UFC loves getting behind some of those guys who are you know in other countries, in markets they want to dip into. He's perfect for the Polish market. Boom. Well, now we get to the top, toppity, tippity top. And uh, some people might put this guy one. We have him at two, but it's always exciting when you get a clear wrestling standout. Um, and this one is a standout is maybe an understatement. The Penn State University champion, Bo Nickel, after a lot of back and forth with you would do contender series, he did it. He was impressive. And now he might have to do it again. Let's hear about Bo Nickel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him do it again with a step-up in opponent because he fought Zach Borrego. And, like, not that Zach Borrego is not a credible opponent, but he's certainly not contender series level. And now he's going to get a chance to fight Donovan Beard on the the 10th episode of the season. So, yeah, this list is coming to you a little early. Sue us. Uh, you know, like, the, the fact that we have no UFC this week kind of pushed our uh, hand. Maybe he winds up pushing into that number one if he goes out there and dominates Donovan Beard. But the fact of the matter is we've kind of just not seen him against, like, high-level competition, right? Like, he, he blasted an 0-0 guy in Icon. He blasted a 3-0 guy in Contender Series. You know, throwing a couple of Ami wins there. We obviously know his wrestling's good. But what happens when he has got to work a little bit more for it? I'm not worried about his cardio, but I am worried about what that striking might look like. Because while he did knock out John Noland in Icon... You know, it's an O and O guy, and it, the hands didn't look unbelievable. So I would say, potential-wise, Bo Nickel might have the best potential out of anybody off the series. But the thing that keeps me from putting him at number one is just, like, he's a little bit less polished than the guy we're about to put at number one. Well, the guy we're about to put at number one helped us from Dagestan, because, hey, we need more Dagestani fighters in the UFC. But he was a combat sambo world champion times four and he is 13 and 1 as a professional 13 and 1 and i'm going to stress 1 because who's the one lost to it's the Kamzat Chimiev. but of course we're talking about Ikram Alaskarov 
and he came out of Brave mainly, but he also has a win in Eagle Fighting Championship, Khabib's promotion, so that's fun too. Let's hear about him. We saw him on Dana White's Contender Series get a submission victory via Kimura over Mario Salsa. Yeah, and you mentioned that win on Eagle FC. He actually beat Nishan Burrell, who you might remember was in the UFC for a little while. He's also got that same Kimura victory that he got on Contender Series over Dennis Toyluland, who recently beat Jamie Pickett in the UFC, too. So a couple of UFC vets under his belt there. Look, I think the sky's the limit for him, not just because he what he did to Mario Souza, which, by the way, was violent. It was a really mean-looking Kimura. Um, and he got it so quick and so easy against a guy who had been on Contender Series twice. Um, so, like, not only did he look great there, but look, if you go back and watch his Brave fight with Kamzat Chemaev, Kamzat has no ability to wrestle this man. He shoots, like, four or five takedowns, and this guy's like, that's cute. Those takedowns are cute. And he stuffs... Every single one of them. Kamzat can't get this guy down. And that in itself is a reason to be hyped on this guy. Now, ultimately, you're right. Kamzat did win that fight, wound up getting the striking going. And maybe that's where this guy does need to polish things up a little bit. But let me tell you something. Not a lot of middleweights are going to like wrestling with this guy. And in a division that doesn't have a lot of great wrestlers when you think about it, too. You know, like Derek Brunson and and Marvin Vittori kind of ran through people in that division by out-wrestling them. This guy is going to be a better wrestler than a lot of those top 15 guys. I've heard rumors that Dana's already planning on putting him against the top 15 name out the gate. I think you're going to see this guy with a number next to his name real quick. Boom. Well, these this was fun. You know, there really has been some, some good prospects on this season of Contender Series. It's really the new Ultimate Fighter for me. I like it so much better than the Ultimate Fighter just as a format and getting to know young upcoming prospects. Let us know how you think we did. Did we get this right? Did we mess it up? You turtle MMA on all the social medias except Facebook. We don't like Facebook. Gumby, this train is a moving down the tracks. Where should we stop next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Hannah Guy, fresh off of the aforementioned Ultimate Fighter on that last season. She is now fighting on Invicta 48 or 49 rather, which is coming up this upcoming Wednesday, where she'll be fighting Kate with Neil. And she's going to talk about that fight and a lot of other great stuff. We're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Hannah Guy, who fights Caitlin Neal. That fight is at Invicta 49 on Wednesday, February 28th. So, Hannah, I wanted to start here. You're fresh off of that season of The Ultimate Fighter. I know it's weird for a lot of fighters when they come out of the house and then, you know, obviously have to keep their mouth quiet while they watch it. Did you did you watch religiously like with people and if so what what was that like for you? Uh yeah, I mean I watched every single week. Uh I had almost an anxiety attack like every time. Um you know, I didn't think I did anything that was like embarrassing on the show, but you never know how they'll like clip stuff together. Um so yeah, it was definitely like <laughs> a little nerve wracking every week, but I watched it and then I'd feel better. So, um, so yeah, it was definitely weird, like not being able to tell anyone anything. And, um, but it was such a crazy experience. And then, um, yeah, being able to get a fight, you know, it's, uh, you know, we weren't allowed to fight for a long time until after, you know, the finale ended. Um, and so I'm super excited to be able to fight again and get in the cage and 
especially, um, you know, a bigger name against Caitlin Neal. Um, I think it'll be really cool. Uh, and I'm excited to like showcase my skills that I've been working on since, you know, really February, March. So. We'll absolutely be excited to hear about that, too. I, I want to get to that in a moment, but I, I did want to ask you, you said you were worried about, you know, how they were going to clip stuff together and make you feel embarrassed about yourself or something. Did you watch with people or, or was it mostly on your own? Because I, I know, obviously, that that's a very different experience, too. Yeah. Um, so my episode, I did actually wait uh, to watch it with my good friends uh, from college. Is happen is who I happen to be with at the time, but um, uh, the rest of the episodes for the most part I just watched on my own, um, and yeah, mainly because I was kind of nervous. Uh, <laughs> and then I had like uh, some friends that watched my episode before I did, and they said everything looked really good, and um, so I wasn't like as scared to watch it with my friends, but also you know those people. You know, I really trusted them, and like I knew they wouldn't make me feel bad, and they would just pump me up. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's good to hear. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times here that that you felt very anxious surrounding the show, and, and very anxious in general. And it's something you touched on the show a little bit too, right? You touched upon, you know, your confidence in in feeling like you you have a tough time expressing yourself. Was it tough being in the house too, as well, being that you know, like it, you're, you're stuck with you know, a whole group of strangers who you've never met before. And now here it is that like, that's your only contact for a long period of time. What, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so when I got on the show, I was kind of surprised with myself. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, I've always struggled with social anxiety since I was a kid, but, um, I thought that I may have like overcome that. Um, but when I got in the house, you know, I kind of felt those similar feelings of, uh, low confidence and not feeling like I belonged and plus probably the stress and everything. Um, you know, being on a TV show where a bunch of people were going to see me and all that stress and then the stress of like performing well in my fight. So I'm sure all those factors had to do with it, but, um, you know, I guess you think you, like, overcome some certain things, you know, when you were a kid, whatever, but, um, you know, in stressful situations, sometimes you'll revert back to a lot of those same struggles you had. Um, and so the show really taught me that, like, about myself, and, um, you know, it really taught me that confidence really has to come from me and not the people surrounding me boosting me up, so... um you know, I think I really learned that, um, you know, through the show, which was really cool because, you know, and a bunch of other things. But that was probably like one of my biggest takeaways is just the fact that, you know, if I'm going to be confident in who I am and be able to do the things I want to do in my life, you know, that confidence and assurance needs to come from just within me and not the people that are surrounding me. I can't depend on other people always to be there. So, um, you know, it's still something, obviously, I struggle with and can't overcome overnight. Um, but just knowing that and some of the rituals that I have to do every day to make sure I, you know, keep that confidence in myself, um, you know, 
you know, I have to make sure I'm doing daily. And it's, you know, definitely something you have to put intention into. Well, that's certainly a beautiful message. Anybody listening who deals with similar things, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, I did want to also ask you, because, you know, being on that show, you're exposed to a whole bunch of new trainers, a whole bunch of new training partners, too. Was there kind of like a, a physical takeaway you had from all of that, too? Something maybe in your, you know, in your jiu-jitsu game or in your striking game that you feel like you really developed well while on the show? Uh, I definitely think I got better uh, at, you know, some takedowns and things on the show. I think my striking improved as well. Um, you know, probably in my jiu-jitsu, although that wasn't like the main focus and hasn't been the main focus the past year or so, just because I'm so far ahead on the jiu-jitsu as opposed to my wrestling and striking, especially. Um, so I would say I definitely improved. Um, and then I've really improved, uh, since I've been down on the coast in Biloxi um, I've been able to work with Alan Belcher, who was a UFC vet for years, was, you know, in the top, uh, you know, of his division for a while. So, um, and turns out he's also a really great coach. So we've been friends for a while, and I decided to come do my camp here uh, against Caitlin. And I also did my bare knuckle uh, fight camp here, which was only a two-week camp, but I was here way before that two weeks. Um, so I feel like I've definitely, uh, improved a lot, you know, under their care, you know, um, also, uh, working with Brandon Davis, who's currently in the UFC and, um, you know, Eddie Delaney, who fights for one championship is helping me uh, wrestling and like Sanford with my jiu-jitsu. So, and then Alan, you know, is so well-rounded, you know, he's been able to pretty much help me with everything, but, um, including mindset, which is, you know like we just talked about is a big struggle for me. So, um, and I think it's a big struggle for everyone in different ways. And I think it's super underrated, you know, just the mental side, but, um, Alan definitely has it figured out. And he's been a great mentor to have here as well as improving my physical skills. Um, but yeah, on the show, I definitely felt like, um, you know, even with, you know, striking being one of my uh, lower points, um, I felt like I could hang with pretty much any, everyone in there, uh, besides Juliana Pena. Um, but, um, you know, I felt good, you know, when I would roll with everyone there and striking and wrestling with everyone. So, um, it definitely made me feel like I belong and that I'm on the right path. So that was a really good assurance. Well, that's great to hear. And, and you mentioned there, too, I, I want to talk about, you know, your choice to do the training camp with Alan Belcher, a guy you said, you know, you've been friends with for a while. Was that that sort of mental side of the game what drew you down to doing the training camp there? Or was it one of those things, you know, just needed a change of scenes, needed a, you know, a new place to shake things up? Uh, well, there was a, a few different reasons. You know, one, it wasn't too, too far from my hometown, which I have been uh, at that gym, you know, the majority of the time I've been training for about four or five years. Um, but, you know, and that's how I got connected with Alan because it was, you know, four hours away on the coast. You know, I used to be kind of central Mississippi and Columbus. Um, and now I'm in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, Biloxi area. Um, but, yeah, we just, 
connected super well and you know I had a lot of respect for him and then I saw that he was really good at coaching and it just kind of developed into that um you know and he did have a school down here he um and now Mike Sanford is over that school but um we work with each other every day I'm staying at his house currently until I get my ambulance back but um yeah he's been a super good you know mentor and coach and yeah it definitely drew me in uh, as far as like the mental side of things he he really has a good head on his shoulders and understands the MMA game too so um so yeah it's been great to learn from Awesome to hear. Now, you, you mentioned, too, that, you know, being in the house and being around such high-level opponents, you, you now feel like you belong. It's, a, it's allowed you to feel like, you know, you're right there, right next to it. Getting an opponent like Caitlin Neal, like you said, a high-profile opponent, somebody who is also on the show, means that, you know, a big win here probably puts you pretty close to being in one of those spots, back where you feel like you belong in the UFC or in another high-level organization, how excited were you when you found out, you know, obviously Invicta's interested in having you on there, but also against somebody so well-known? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. You know, like you said, this could definitely bump me up to a bigger organization, whether that's UFC, PFL, One, you know. Um, but either way, it's more of uh, an opportunity for me to, you know, prove to myself that, you know, I can do this and I have the mental capacity and the physical capacity. Um, you know, I do believe, uh, you know, she has some things better than me, but I think for the most part, um, you know, I have more of the skills to beat her. And so, and I also think I'm mentally stronger. So I think that a lot of people, like I said, underrate that, but that's a big part of this game. And, um, so she's, uh, she's cool. So I'm excited to share the cage with her and, uh, go to war if I have to, you know, so. Well, we're excited for it too. Now, I, I obviously always like to end these things with a prediction and I know that's not some fighter's cup of tea, but you know, you mentioned there's some things she does really well, you know, mostly we, we know about her kind of rangy striking, you being somebody who, you know, is definitely gritty, good in the clinch, better at probably at wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of how you see this one finishing with, with you using that, those big skills on the mat to get it done? Yeah, I think so. And, and honestly, y'all may see some uh, pretty good striking in there, too. I've been working super hard. Um, you know, I'm hoping to bang her up with a few strikes and make her want to clinch, and that way I don't have to come to her, you know, so... But if I need to, you know, I've been practicing ways to get inside, you know, that's kind of what I'll always have to do anyway. So it's not really anything new to me um, to get inside. I'm usually typically shorter than everyone I fight. Um, and so either way, yeah, I definitely see it ending with being in the clinch, um, taking her down and beating her up from there. So. <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to seeing I mean, I it. Predict maybe second round finish. <laughs> All right, I I like it. I like it. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. This is Ben Hanna, guy who fights Kate with Neil at Victor Forty Nine. That fight Wednesday, September twenty eighth. Hannah, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much, and shout out to my sponsors, Hex dot com, and um, you know my management, uh, Epoch. 
And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social. And reminder, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.